welcome to another episode on Get Invested. Uh, today we're going to talk, be talking about the difference between trading and investing, what you all Robin Hooders are doing, uh, and what some of the old men and women investors are doing. And then finally, is the market coming back as much as everyone's talk, talking about? So we got some interesting topics to talk about today. Uh, as always, um, have to start off with the disclosures. We are financial advisors and today's talk, we may talk about individual companies. We may talk about different strategies and please do not take anything we say today as advice. Please consult your advisor. We're welcome. Uh, we're happy to talk to you about your situation and go over. Everyone's a little bit different. So please, please, please um, talk to us. Don't take any of this as advice. So um, first and foremost, first market uh, recap, today is June 18th. Um, we had a strong market rally to start the week, mainly on the Fed's announcement that it's going to start buying individual bonds. We're going to have to do a whole episode on the Fed because we've seen some pretty unprecedented things in the past few years, but we're going to save that. Um, we also saw a really strong retail sales report. Um you know, we get the pluses and negatives of COVID-19 every day, but recently it's been a bit more positive. So with that being said, um, I, I do want to start it off kind of kicking it to Brett and uh, hearing a little bit of his his background on, on trading and, and why he's he's a bit of what we call a reformed trader. So why don't you kick it off for us, Brett? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely been, a, like you said, an unprecedented time in the market. Um, there's a fun fact that I came across. We've actually had, you know, plus or minus 3% moves more times this year to date than the last nine years combined. So there's definitely things um, moving around out there. Um, and, and yeah, I used to actively trade um, quite often myself. I actually used to, to run a subscription-based um, trading website that was putting out a lot of ideas out on smaller companies. And you know, back in the day, I was making 30, 50 day trades a day. Um, and this is when you actually even had to pay commissions for stock. So you can imagine how uh, how much it hurt every single time I clicked the buy or sell button. It was uh, a lot different than uh, Robinhood now where, where everything's free and, and almost a little gamified in my opinion. And um, had big, big wins and, and big losses. Um, as you can imagine, as a, a young trader, um, your, your kind of mindset is a lot different than it, it, mine is now. Uh, where I wanted to kind of take over the world and I thought that uh, you know I could truly go to the moon like a lot of these kids are thinking now and so I mean I had one time in high school where I was stuck in a biotech company uh, that had some data come out early and, and made $15,000 overnight on like a five grand account and like a kid in high school that's a lot of money and um, it definitely goes the other way because you know my freshman year in college actually on the same company Sarepted Therapeutics turned around and gave back 20 grand which was about half of my account at the time. And then the next year, I decided to double my account over a summer um, from 50 to 100,000. And of course, markets changed and, um, you know, the market environment changes a lot and, and gave that all back. So there's a lot of things you can do out there. And I discovered this kind of through my trading journey, like you can scalp stocks, you can swing trade stocks, you can use quantitative analysis, um, technical analysis, you can use options, you can go long, you can go short. There's so many different approaches. Um, but at the end of the day, it really needs to like fit in your lifestyle. 
And um, I've, I've been getting this question, um, I'm sure you have too, Ben, of, of is it a good idea to trade stocks on Robinhood? Have you been getting that? Yeah, I mean, more as uh, the market's gone up, and I think just because of COVID, people are a bit are a bit more bored, and uh, there, there's no gambling. You you probably don't want to go to Vegas right now, and it just seems like it's what everyone's talking about. And and you know, I I have actually always been in the camp of, you know, I I started when I started investing. I started when I was 15 years old, and so I'm always in the camp that education is great. So. If you are going to open up a Robinhood account and you are going to trade and, and anything like that, you just you do you do an amount that you're willing to lose, right? And and have it be be a bit more of a learning experience. But yeah, undoubtedly, pe- people are talking about it. And um and and so Brett, how uh, kind of taking all those experiences you had, how how have things changed for you? What what are you thinking about a bit more? Yeah, well, it, you know, all this Robinhood trading too, it really reminds me of of this study uh, that I came across because they've they've somehow gamified um, trading, which I, I don't really like. Um, and, you know, it's you know, there's super sad stories. Like just this week, there was actually a story of a kid that um, you know took his own life because he thought he was down over $700,000 um, on a trade because of um, something that he had did. And, you know, not even getting into the subject of how would a uh, 20-year-old kid get that much margin and that much leverage uh, without even signing a, a margin agreement. But, um, you know, there's a study where they, they had mice and in this experiment, they basically let the mice click a lever um, or in a sense, you can see a kid trading. Um, they could press it anytime they want and, and every time they press that button, it actually um, controlled specific neurons in their brain that, that gave them happiness or, or released dopamine. And what they found was that these mice, you know, quickly started to show telltale signs of almost like addictive behavior with this. Um, as they would happily just keep pressing that button over and over again. And if within a couple hours, they didn't actually take the mice out of the cage, um, they weren't eating, they weren't drinking, they were depressed, and they would die pretty quickly, um, very happily, but very quickly. And so, you know, it, it, it kind of reminds me of, of kind of what's going on right now with people are treating this as a game and they're doing it for fun. And they're just kind of throwing money around, trading back and forth and not realizing that this is like, you can make decisions with finances that can truly affect the rest of your life. Um, and so it's, it's not something to, to mess around with. And, you know, there's a lot of scams out there as well, whether that's in, in Forex trading or a lot of binary option scams. You definitely want to stay away from those things. You don't need to be buying options and calls and puts in your Robinhood account um, that, you know, you're competing against real professionals and, and people that have a, a lot of more resources than you do at that time. And, you know, I don't want to discourage people from learning, but you have to do it in um, an educated sense. And you have to ask for help and making sure that you're, you're learning and studying the right things and treating it as a business in a sense, um, because these decisions can affect you for a long, long time. And, yeah, and just just to add to that, what we've seen, and again, I think it's totally correlated to no sports, people staying at home, all this stuff, and just you know, people looking for things to do. And um, right now, we've seen the market go up, right? So March, we had you know, March was I think the fourth worst month for the stock market in seventy years. 
that was when COVID was starting to happen. That was right when people were starting to get bored. And so a lot of these accounts have been opened in April. And guess what? April was the third best month for the stock market in 70 years. And so uh, although we're looking at unemployment numbers bad, we're looking at people staying home, we're looking at companies like Hertz going bankrupt, we still see the market go up. And so uh, we, we obviously got to be careful that the market doesn't doesn't go straight up like it has the past couple months, basically. <laughs> it's a lot easier to make money when everything's going up. It's kind of just like throwing darts at a dartboard. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But like, um, go ahead, Brett. Yeah, I was gonna say like, you know, when you're also trading in things too, it actually takes a significant amount of capital um, to to actually make a living trading. Um, so I don't know if you want to go into this, but I, I broke some numbers down. Um, and like one of these, you know, parts about investing is you got to set realistic expectations. And so like, you know, let's say you want to become a professional trader, right? And you want to make $100,000 um, to live on. Now, you know, the world's best hedge fund managers and top traders are happy to, you know, just simply beat the market. Uh, we've seen that it's very hard to do so over the long term. And so, like, let's just assume you made, you know, double the average return of the market and you made 20% in a year. Well, you'd really need about $800,000 in capital or buying power to generate about $160,000 in gains, which is also taxes ordinary income because you're holding these trades for less than a year. So one third of that is gone. So now, you know, with that amount of money, like what happens if you just have like a bad year or a bad month or even a bad week, right? Like that becomes your livelihood and it's, it's a very stressful um, thing to, to take on. Yeah, and unless there's something more you want to add to trading, Brett, I, I think let's transition and, and we can talk more on okay how how we think about it and we don't think about think about as much so much as trading, but rather investing. Um, yeah, and I think yeah. I, would, I do ahead. want to leave you guys with one point. Like this mental mental health and, and psychology is extremely important. Um, you know, one of my favorite psychologists to deal with all of this is is actually Brett Steenbarger. He has a great blog. He's on Twitter as well. Um, definitely check out his stuff. Um, but you know, the, the mental aspect of all of this, um, you know, you just guys make sure that you're taking care of yourselves, but Ben, let's kind of jump on into investing and you have such a unique background too, um, since you started young, um, just like I did. So why don't you kind of go into that? Yeah. So, uh, my grandfather was actually a stockbroker. So, uh, he and my dad encouraged me to open up my own investment account when I was a kid. Um, you know, I'd wanted to be a doctor, but I took bio, biology AP in high school and realized there was not a chance I'd be able to take that many science classes. And so I changed courses. But <laughs> but they, they they encouraged me to open up an investment account. Uh, my 16th birthday present was a Wall Street Journal subscription. I was off running. And, and the first stock I bought uh, when I was 15 was actually Domino's Pizza. And some of you may remember, but um, this was around like 2007, 2008. And basically Domino's came out and said, Hey, our pizza sucks. Okay. We're sorry. Come in, buy one pizza, get one free, come try our new pizza. And I remember my mom, she's a gourmet, most amazing cook. I didn't have my driver's license yet. And I said, mom, let's get Domino's tonight. And I tried the pizza and it was really good. And I bought Domino's stock. And, you know, you can look at a chart of Domino's over the past 10, 15 years. It's, it's done really well. Um, really well is an that, understatement. It's done absurdly well <laughs> as far as the yeah, percentage. Well, 
Yeah. And so, again, not necessarily recommending buying it now, but that has always in, intrigued me about investing. And, and, you know, you go and you try to understand a company. And if you're willing to wait, a lot of times it can pay off. Now, we never like to have all our eggs in one basket or anything like that. But if you find great companies at reasonable prices and you're willing to hold, you can make a lot of money. Um, you know, if you just look at some of these larger companies over the past even 10 years, uh, if you put a thousand bucks in Google, you're up to 5,000. If you put a thousand bucks in Apple 10 years ago, you're up to almost 10,000. Uh, Amazon, the great behemoth, 1,000's turned into 18,000. And I think COVID's done pretty well. A thousand bucks in Netflix is over $30,000 today. If you just didn't, yeah. So, um, granted, you know, we've seen the market go up the past 10 years and it was not a linear ride for these companies, right? We don't even have Tesla on here, but Tesla has obviously gone up a bunch and it's not a linear ride and you have to deal with a lot of fluctuations and that's what makes it more challenging. And, and going along with that, um, Brett, if, you know, why don't we talk about the S and P 500 just a little bit and just talking about rather than buying individual stock, what you have the ability to do now. Yeah, I mean, it's a great point that you made on on like holding stocks through turbulent times too. I mean, how many fifty percent drawdowns did Amazon specifically have? Um, and being able to to stomach through those and make it through those as a long term investor is definitely takes some skill sets. Um, but as far as like the S and P goes, you know, markets are largely random in the you know in any given year. You have about a you know two thirds. Uh, chance of of being up, but the longer we push out that time frame, the greater probability of success we have. So by like five years, for example, the S and P has been up about ninety percent of the time, and this is in recent history, going back to like the nineteen fifties. Um, and if we look out even farther, in any fifteen year rolling period, you've actually haven't lost money. So if you just take a look at any year from nineteen fifty going forward and look out fifteen years, you're actually up. Um, and so it's, it's insane, but like, Ben, you know, this better than anyone else. Like what actually happens if you, you know, try to time the market and try to time these returns and get in and get out and trade around it. Totally. And in the key right there, you brought up Brett, the key is staying invested. And unfortunately people are consistently making mistakes and we've just seen it recently. Um, but if we're looking at the numbers, first and foremost, if, if you're looking at a 1999 to 2018, this is a little, it's a year or so outdated, but the idea is the same. Um, American Century Company did made this chart. And basically, if you took 10,000, you invest in the S&P 500. Okay, you put $10,000 in there, you stayed invested, you went through the dot com bubble and burst, you went through the financial crisis, uh, that 10,000 turned into 35,000. So not a smooth ride at all. Um, but you still, you know, turn your 10,000 into 35,000. Now, if you just missed the 20 best days, okay, only 20 days in 20 years, okay, that 10,000 turned into 10,000, you made zero dollars. Wow. Right. And what has happened recently is History repeats itself over and over and over again. Okay, there's an article that just came out in the Wall Street Journal. 
that 31% of individuals above 60 dumped all of their stocks between February and May of this year. Okay, 18% of all individual investors, so almost one out of five. And and here's, here's what's so challenging on the market is the market is looking to the future. And so if if you remember what was happening in March, right? March, a lot of people were still going into the office. We were seeing cases tick up. People were starting to get worried, but the market was already going down a lot, okay? Market ended up being, um, like we said, fourth worst month in seven years. We have like five of the wor- five of the worst 15 days happened in March, four or five. So just insane volatility. You talked about that earlier. This has been about the most volatile year, volatile year so far um, in the past almost century, actually. Um, and so you had that happen in March. Now, April was, it was clear shit hit the fan right? This was going to be a lot bigger deal than what people were saying. Businesses were going to be shut down. Um, we even saw some, uh, a lot of volatility in the bond market. Um, and there is a huge, huge amount of concern. And what did the market do in April? Well, it went up 12%, right? We saw double, started to see double digit unemployment. And a lot of these people, right? And the Wall Street Journal did this article as all these investors at Fidelity, they sold right? And the question is, when do they get back in now, right? The market is well off its lows. The market's looking to the future and we've already seen the market go up so much. You know, when do they get back in? And so that is always, always, always the conversation we're having with clients. It's easy to stay invested when you see the market going up, but you got to be able to have the down, uh, the good with the bad, basically. Yeah. And right. You, you made a great point, too. I mean, you know, the market is has bounced significantly off of the, the late March lows that we had. And why is the market going up so much? We know it's talking about the future, but even right now, the future doesn't seem so um, great. I mean, you've got civil unrest all over um, the country and world. We've still got, you know, a second wave that's worrisome. Um, you know, why is the market actually going up? Yeah, the the three Fs is is what what I came up with this week. The Fed, the future, and F and tech companies. So, uh, I'll I'll hit with the Fed, and then Brett, I'll let you talk on future. So, um, the Federal Reserve is pumping a bunch of money into the economy. Okay, it's it's unprecedented. We haven't seen this amount coming in. Fed is now buying individual bonds. They were already buying municipal bonds and they've helped stabilize the bond market. I think a lot of people think the Fed is actually going to start buying stocks, right? Uh, we're not necessarily saying that's going to happen, but that has driven the, the market higher. And, and Brett, why, why don't you talk about talk about how the market isn't looking so much at what's going on right now or three months ahead, but but what it's actually thinking about more for the future. Yeah, I mean, the rule of thumb is it's generally looking, you know, six months ahead or, or even further. And what people, you know, often miss out is is that the market prices things in incredibly fast. Um, the flow of information um, is just astounding as far as being able to um, make decisions. And these computers are taking in this information and analyzing it um, at incredible rates of speed. And so not only that, but when people are looking at earnings, which is a big driver of the market, we know that it's going to be terrible this quarter. Um, every CEO and every 
person in the world knows that. And so what that means is it really doesn't mean anything. And what people are looking at is what will earnings and revenue look like a year from now or a year and a half or two years from now. And with all of the CEOs coming out and, and guiding lower and giving you know the, the most grim outlook possible because they don't want to overpromise anything, what a lot of people are thinking is that maybe these, you know, we get the economy back open and these earnings come back and um, we might have a major rebound and companies start beating these earnings and then we continue higher. Um, and, and on top of that, we have low interest rates, right? Exactly. What, what, the, what this has made it clear is we're going to keep interest rates lower, which if these companies can borrow at low costs then that helps earnings. Yeah, I mean, these tech companies, right? Like Apple, for example, $100 billion in cash. Would would they rather use the cash? Nope, why? Why would you? Why not just go out, borrow it, and use that? Because it's the money is so cheap right now. Um, so yeah, why don't you go into these kind of tech behemoths? Yeah, so we talk about the S&P a lot. So um, we one time need to talk about why the Dow is stupid, but that'll be for another time. But the S&P 500 is roughly the 500 largest companies in the U.S. And nowadays, it has become so heavily weighted to technology companies. So 20% of the S&P 500 is Microsoft, Apple, Amazon, Facebook, and Google, okay, aka Alphabet. And so when you look at the S&P, it's not far off its highs. However, if you look at small cap companies this year, they're still down over 10%. And that's probably a better representation of actually what's going on in the economy right now. Um, because a lot of these smaller companies are struggling. I mean, we have clients, we have friends that are inevitably struggling right now. But I can tell you a great story for Microsoft, for Apple, for Amazon, especially Amazon, who basically the government killed their competition for them when they were already killing them. Um, Facebook and Google you know, all these companies have great stories and have performed really well. And so I don't know if they're fairly representative enough of the economy. And so when you look at what you're invested in, when you look at um, just the economy as a whole, although we are nearing all time highs, we it, it sure doesn't feel like it, does it? No, it, it doesn't. It's um, it's it's such a, an interesting time. And, you know, I, I feel like I'm definitely going to remember um, you know, this entire experience day by day uh, for probably the rest of my life, just how everything went down. Um, and so, you know, when we're, when we're looking at this from, a, you know, investing versus trading perspective, um, I do have to say that investing is a lot less stressful um, than, than being a trader. Now, what are your thoughts? Is investing or trading better, Ben? Trading is more fun. But investing is better for your ultimate financial plan. So when it comes down to, yeah, I feel like in a lot of ways, you get to play the house when you're investing, right? When, when, you're, when you're trading, you're going against the house. When you're trading, you know, your odds don't look as good. But when you're investing and you invest in a well-diversified portfolio, you've heard the odds. You stay invested, it works, right? And so you get to play the house. And so when it comes down to it, as long as you're willing to wait it out, we like investing a little bit better. <laughs> That's an so, understatement. A lot better. <laughs> <laughs> Way better. So, I mean, if you're out there and, you know, you kind of got your feet wet, 
um, into some of this trading stuff and you're, you're interested and maybe you got whacked or, or maybe you've you know, done a little well, but you, you can admit that um, you're not sure what, what's going on. Um, we're happy to help. We're happy to point you in the right direction, um, set up a plan with you know, great investments that can grow over time um, and, and build a better future for yourself. Because ultimately, I think that that's what you guys want um, when you do get interested in the finance world. Um, so let us help. Let us um, answer your questions. If you guys have them, send them in. Um, we're on social media, on Twitter and Instagram, posting a ton. I'm at Trades or at Siffling on Instagram. Um, ben, you uh, want to give your socials as well again? Yeah, I mean, email is Ben at GerberKawasaki.com and Twitter is Ben underscore Dunbar GK. Um, but yeah, look, we're, we're here to work with you and uh, if you haven't had a chance yet, you're thinking about buying a house, check out our podcast we did a little bit earlier about buying a house. And all of these topics come from you. So if you ever have anything you want to hear about, want our perspective, we're happy to talk about it. And we will see you next week. See ya.